I'm Alex James, broadcaster and presenter. And ten years ago, I had a front row seat for one of the biggest musical success stories of all time. Simon kind of called me and he was like, just trust me, come meet the contestants. We've got a special group. A whole decade has now passed since five boys entered the X Factor audition rooms. Uh, you know, every generation sort of needs their own boy bands and... Uh... And, and, and that was the right time for them to come up and sort of claim to be the, uh, the definitive boy band of their moment. These boys would become One Direction, and One Direction would quickly become the biggest band in the world. It's the sheer volume of the crowd when the music stops and the lights lower before they come on is deafening, but in the best way. The creation of 1D sparked a reaction unlike anything that's come before. And during my time on air, I interviewed the group many, many times. So now, 10 years on from the summer in which One Direction were formed, I wanted to celebrate the story of their incredible success. And it's here for you to celebrate with me. But their story and their success was very much a partnership with the fans. And I think all everything that they were doing at that time, it was kind of presented in a way that it was in tandem with the fans to feel like a kind of, you know, it was a shared success and a, a shared experience. This is 10 years of One Direction. Episode 5, Making the Memories. I wanted to use this last episode of 10 Years of One Direction and leave the final word to the Directioners, who've been kind enough to be part of this series, speaking for the collective and representing fans all over the world. When people ask me about my job and I tell them some of the amazing people I've met and interviewed over the years, they always want to know more about what One Direction were like. Truth is, I genuinely enjoyed interviewing them and it was exciting to see how they grew, both in fame and personally. And above all else, you never knew where each encounter was going to go and where it would end. One minute you were chatting about the new album and the next you'd be chatting about Niall's new brace. In all honesty, sometimes interviewing pop stars and celebrities isn't easy. There's usually a whole load of other people in the room at the same time. Managers, hair and makeup artists, record label reps and pluggers. Some of the more serious amongst them might be obviously watching the clock hanging over your shoulder, making you incredibly conscious of the time. Above all else, it was pretty much down to me to have to keep control. So when you're interviewing five young lads, it was like what I imagine is conducting an orchestra. They were having fun, they were daft, they would muck about... And when they were all in an interview together, it could sometimes be like herding cats. And sometimes I'd feel like a school teacher, trying with all my being to not lose control. And the bigger the group became, the bigger the pressure to utilise every second spent with them and not let it fall apart. Prime example, I had limited time with them backstage at the Manchester Arena in 2012. And by this time, the band was so big that they each had individual members of their team to look after them. I don't think Louis was in the mood for interviews that day and a bottle of water came flying through the air at one point. It was a mess. You can see this interview on YouTube. One Direction's success translated into the radio content that they were part of. And James Robinson was the producer on my show during most of the 1D madness. It's, um, I just, it's like the, the, big, the biggest thing from it, I just like the numbers and stuff of how, how well things went when we were doing it. So... I know like Facebook Live is kind of a normal thing that we do or Instagram Live is kind of normal now. But when we tried it with some software that was embedded into a web page and we were getting like 11,000 people watching lives, those kind of numbers back then were enormous. So uh, it allowed us to try loads of things and you kind of be, you'd have this instant surge of, of the fans who would 
throw themselves into it as well and try the try new stuff. I mean, the next time you did an interview with Oli Merz, they they're the same lot wouldn't be there, but uh, it was a revolving door of one D fans trying hopping from channel to channel, finding the boys, finding out what they're up to, trying to dig a little bit more about them. Uh, but it was interesting to be a tiny little bit, a tiny little piece of that as well. And one of James's strongest memories of working with the boys. Yeah, I mean it's hard because if you got you, you want to keep them happy because they're doing stuff for you and it's on your show and you're grateful for them to come back. Um, because at that point, on in demand we were doing it, they weren't necessarily going into every interview. But at the same time, when they were coming into the building, the studios that we were doing it at, I remember one. I remember one interview where it was maybe they had six or seven interviews to do, and. Um, it was, I was overseeing a couple of them where they didn't have producers. And I walked past the studio back in to it at one point to find that Niall was using the camera that I'd set up to record the interview to zoom in on the presenter's bald patch. And that was the final straw for me. I was like, you know what? No, guys. <laughs> and it was the day that you were going to go, you were going to go on live with Alex. And I was like, we're going to can this. If you're going to be behaving like this, people have flown all over for a few minutes with you and you're zooming on someone's patch. What are you doing? Um, and I remember Dan, one of the other producers, high five me and Claire, who looks after them, was like, you know what, fair play for, for doing that because they needed it today. They've been particularly naughty, some of them. Um, but yeah, there was always a how far can, I, how far can they push it? Um, and it wasn't all of them. I must add, some of them were more naughty than others, and I, th- I won't say who, but you can probably work it out. Before the release of This Is Us, the movie in 2013, we were invited to London to see the movie and interview the boys. And that day they'd been split into two groups so they could get through as many interviews as possible. My interview was the last one of the day and it was with Harry and Niall. And we were all doing our job very, very well. I had no idea, though, in the meantime, that in the room next door, Liam, Louis and Zane had finished their interviews and they decided to creep into the room I was in and I had no clue that for about a minute, Liam was stood behind me with his trousers down whilst Louis was larking about. In this moment, I remember also Zane was pretty quiet in the corner. He said hello as we all left and that was the last time that I saw him. And just a few months later, he left the group. Songwriter Savan Katecha had been close with the group during their early days. I would say that the, towards the end when I was seeing them somewhat often or every few months, you know, when I could or when, you know... I noticed that Zane was, uh, I just noticed that, yeah, I noticed a change in him. He was a lot more introverted, uh, became a lot more introverted than he was in the past. Um, whether I thought something like that would happen, you know, at the time I wasn't in contact with him so much. I can't, I, so I, I wasn't aware how major the issues or how he was feeling at that point. But, um, you know, he did what's best for him, you know, and, and um, and he, I'm sure he had his reasons. It probably wasn't. It probably wasn't an easy decision to make, and it, and it probably wasn't easy for the rest of the band, obviously, to for him to make that decision. But um, I, you know, giving everyone, giving him the benefit of the doubt, I assume he did it for for reasons for his own sort of for his own health, you know. Inevitably, the fans had lots of questions and were confused at this point. Nitya is a directioner from India. I was pretty upset with him for leaving the band. I, the main question that was in my head was, 
वन डायरेक्शन के नॉट पे वन डायरेक्शन विदाउट सेन सो आदि गुन चेंज द नेम आदि गुन कंटिन्यू टूरिंग व्हाट आदि गुन डू व्हाट इज द फ्यूचर ऑफ द बैंड बट ऑफ कोर्स देन लेटर आई रियलाइज द रीजंस फॉर जेन लीविंग एंड व्हाई ही हैड टू डू दैट सो आई एम प्राउड ऑफ हिम फॉर बीइंग एबल टू डू दैट एक्चुअली for being able to stand up for himself. I think Margaret, a directioner from Australia, had the kind of reaction that was common for fans around the world. I cried all day. I couldn't even get out of bed for school. Looking back at it, on it, it was so funny how the way I reacted. But at the time obviously I didn't think so. So I was at boarding school at the time and the mistress, that's the lady that looks after us, she wakes us up in the morning and and then again at 7:30 comes around to kick us out um and it was so funny because when she came back in the second time to kick us out that was the exact moment i started reading the statement so she came in right on time for my breakdown <laughs> i had just woken up and my roommate had woken up maybe like a couple minutes before me and she goes on her phone and and then the next minute I, the next thing i know she's just crying and i'm like what what's happening the only thing she says is he's left he left he's gone and i i just like what what's going on i jump on my phone and then i start reading the statement and then i immediately start crying and we're both just sobbing in our beds <laughs> it's a taylor's oldest time robbie left take that jerry left the spice girls and in this case it was zane the rest of 1d continued to tour and release music and achieve further critical and commercial success andrew unterberger from billboard magazine believes that one direction ran their course for sure but defied the odds when it came to what had come previously you know i, th- I think it was probably inevitable that uh, one direction would 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 you know, splinter or, or at least not can kind of continue on at the same sort of level that they always were. I mean, it, it's very, very rare that boy bands last for more than three albums in the first place. Uh, by album four, usually either a key member is left or music has sort of changed in the background or uh, they're just not performing at the same caliber that they used to be. I mean, if you go through you know, the great boy bands of history, unless you're, you're counting, you know, bands like the Beatles, uh, it's, it's pretty rare that you find a boy band that lasts more than three albums at, at, a, at a high level. Uh, and they did. They, they lasted for five albums, uh, five albums in five years, which is, is a pretty crazy output by 21st century boy band standards. It's almost more like a like a 60s or an 80s sort of model. Uh, so, I mean, they lasted five years, I guess, which is about the, the normal lifespan for a boy band, but they just packed so much into those five years that they, they left a a pretty strong catalog of music compared to it to a lot of their peers and a lot of their predecessors so here we are in the crazy year that is 2020 10 years on since one direction began their journey of world domination harry nile and louis would have been touring this year and there's been plenty of rumors about possible reunions and how that might look by the time you listen to this it might have happened we don't know is zane gonna be part of it what's gonna happen next is there a secret tv project in the works maybe we wait with our fingers tightly crossed. I wanted to end this series with the people that matter most in this story, the fans. Throughout this podcast, you've heard what I think made One Direction so special. You've heard from people who've worked with the boys. But what is it really that makes them so magical? Here's Clara from Spain. The way, like, not only because of the music, because of course I love the music. Like, they made me feel so good with the music. But I think that they have been, like, the soundtrack of my teenage years. Like... They came in a moment that I was like trying to figure out who I was 
and they kind of helped me to get to that process. And, you know, all my good moments, all my bad moments, they were like the soundtrack of my life. And, you know, I think that the way they, they are themselves, that, that kind of helps a lot because they're not like this kind of superstars that they don't care about their fans, they only care about the fame. They're like so implicated with the fans and also with so many charity causes, like an important causes, like LGBT causes, like charity, charities, and that's like so important for me. So I think that the way they are and the way they treat fans is what made me stay. There are memories that will never be forgotten. Jenna in the UK. It was like a very fast process because obviously it was a book signing, but just to see them like that close in the flesh for me was incredible. Um, and then a few years later, they did another book signing and I was lucky enough to get tickets again. Um, so we went and it was a lot more relaxed, like you're allowed photographs with them, so I have a couple of dodgy selfies. Um, and I remember I was standing there and Zane was there at the time and I didn't know what to say to him, so I just went, I like your ring, Zane. And I didn't like his ring, it was, a, it was a skull, like I didn't like it, but I just didn't know what to say to him. And then I asked Louis for a hug because he's my favourite and he gave me one. They were incredible memories as well. Margaret in Australia will never forget the excitement of finally getting tickets to see them live. As they matured and started taking control, more control over their songwriting and stuff, you can really see how much more depth was being added to each song. And depending on your interpretation of each song, obviously, it just, it means a lot. And also their voices are all so angelic together and alone. I went to the Archer show in Brisbane on the Road Again tour and I can't even, it's so hard for me to even comprehend how special it was being there. After, you know, like after supporting them for so long, the feeling of being there and seeing and hearing them perform some of my favorite songs live, like, songs that have helped me through like such difficult times just hearing them be performed live it's i just it's so hard to even begin to describe how it feels lizette in america even went viral when she showed her love for harry's hair on social media so i pasted harry styles face on queen elsa and put letters on the poster saying let it grow and before I even saw them in concert that year, I posted this on Twitter and I got thousands of retweets and eventually made it into an um, online article from J14, like the top 10 funniest One Direction posters of all time or something. So that's my claim to fame. And at the concert, um, I know Liam was like cracking up over it and then Harry saw it and uh, blew me a kiss, and I'll always remember that. It's like crazy to even think that actually happened. And for Eleanor from France, what the boys brought to fan life was so much more than just music. It's a family thing. You know when you fight with your brothers and sisters, but you like them so much. It's the same thing. We fight, but we love each other so much, and we have a a common love for (laughs) those five boys, and we just... We just love each other at the end of the day. One Direction. They did so much more than just make music. Final tour for now. Harry, Louis, Liam, Zayn and Niall, they all started this crazy adventure by auditioning for The X Factor as solo artists. A dream that they've now all been able to fulfil since they started their hiatus. They were never really meant to be a collective. They were never meant to be a group who changed the face of British pop music. They were never meant to become the biggest band in the world. But destiny, for them, came calling.
I'd like to thank all the contributors to this podcast for taking the time to share their stories and, of course, all the fans I've spoken to and connected with, especially considering the difficult circumstances through the first part of this year. Thank you for getting behind this. Thank you for listening. I'm internally impressed by your devotion to the boys. Keep sharing your stories and your memories with me online. And this is Alex James. 10 unofficial years of One Direction is produced and presented by me, Alex James Atkinson.